coming to the end of another day together. And however we felt about the day, whether we feel it's been <clears throat> fruitful and uh, beneficial, good experiences, or whether we just think it's a total write-off and uh, feel depressed or upset. However we feel about the day, one can always come back to the sense of beginning again freshly in this moment, within this space, there's always that possibility, however it's been, however it is for us. This uh, agility, developing or cultivating this agility in relationship to our present experience. Uh, Not repressing how it's been or pretending it should be another way, but just being able to freshly come back to here here it is now just this way meeting this moment freshly and noticing that behind the movement of mind the play of feeling all the different moods that come and go different perceptions sensations within the body and the rhythm of the day from the morning waking, morning, noon, and then to this point of the day where the light's beginning to fade and we're moving towards evening again. And all of this is in some ways a bit of a magic show, arising and manifesting and dissolving into this present space of awareness which we're inclining towards in a way where we recognize, notice that there is this backcloth, background, which we can touch when we uh, move into that place of listening and uh, receiving and being connected with how it is in this moment, bringing attention here and now. Retreats are, I've always, I've done many retreats and they always seem to me rather strange experiences and I'm not quite sure how to understand them totally. Um, Someone described them the other day as being on the cusp between one world and another and within that territory it's it's a rather... Uh, I think very individual and communally shared space, but perhaps a rather nebulous and strange space in some ways. Beginning to listen to people today, different experiencing, just seeing how many different worlds we inhabit and move through as individuals. And yet what can connect us is this this, uh, commitment to being with the form of the retreat and being committed to just being present with whatever does unfold. It's hard to <clears throat> get a retreat, the form of a retreat, uh, right for everybody. So there's always perhaps this feeling that it should have a little more maybe contact groups, 
speaking together or for some people they really don't like the feeling of having to come into a group having to speak disturbs the retreat maybe the sittings should be longer or perhaps they're too long for others Um, maybe there should be a bit more chanting or a bit less or none at all Um, maybe the Dharma talks are too long or not interesting or very interesting speak to us or don't uh, we can we, we can spend a lot of time trying to get uh, the right kind of retreat whether to have qigong or not uh, I don't haven't heard anyone not um, enjoying the qigong seems that that's a good move having the qigong but uh, however <coughs> it is it's so one teacher called it like a, a baggy suit that we all get into. It doesn't quite fit any of us perfectly. And uh, it's a little bit uh, uncomfortable that we sort of slop along in this baggy suit, looking a bit odd in our silence. Um, as some people have commented. Um, but I think that's okay. I think it's okay to, to look a bit odd. <laughs> a bit serious. <laughs> But perhaps in, within the form of the retreat, uh, we might need to just adjust the suit a little bit here and there to suit us, and that's fine. We've, uh, it's no secret that we give a lot of permission for you to find your own authentic way within this form. The form in and of itself is just that. It's just a form. The languages that we're using, the teachings that we're using, the chants, they're all just forms and they're pointing to something beyond the form. They're just helping us to, to, supporting us to point beyond. They're not trying to get too hooked up on getting the form perfect, but allowing it to take us into our own inner inquiry and supporting that. mode of the Dharma talk is uh, I remember when I first heard my first one of my first Dharma talks was uh, listening to Ajahn Chah when he first came to England in the 1970s and um, <clears throat> he was a wonderful presence to be around very free very powerful a lot of humour and to hear him speak Dharma was a, was a, a very blessed experience. His communications went far beyond the words. And I remember sitting there through the whole talk thinking, well, this is really good. This is, you know, this is amazing, hearing this stuff, having not really heard uh, Dharma talks before. And at the end of the talk he said, well, if you've been sitting here thinking this is good or this is bad, you haven't been listening properly. At which point I, I thought to myself, that's really good too. <laughs> so learning is not to say that, that, you know, that we should chuck out all discernment because some things are more helpful than others. We need some discernment. But the Dharma talk isn't an academic transmission of facts so much as it's a dynamic that happens uh, between the speaker and, and yourself, listener, and the, the emptying of both roles 
and allowing from the feel for something to emerge, communication. Uh, And the words are really a vehicle for trying to, in some ways, induct us into the space, the peace, the silence behind the words as they arise, come into form, have an impact, and then dissolve again. So one can't say everything at once, and uh, one can just allow the words to, to come and go, and then things that resonate and feel useful, we can perhaps work with, and other things that don't, we can allow them to pass. And we'll forget it all anyway, <laughs> by the end of the retreat. <laughs> I do. Uh, we'll sort of dissolve back into itself, all the words, all the ideas. So to hold the forms, the words, the practices, to, to try and hold all these things um, lightly, rather than seeing them necessarily as ends in themselves, or, or unduly struggling over them. Same with the bowing practice. For some of you, it's quite new. Some have really enjoyed that. Others, it's a more tentative relationship. This, uh, the bowing, the, the namo kwan shuyim pusa, I namo, I return my life, I offer back. I recognize it on some level, although I have this body and this vehicle of myself and this wonderful life and all the different things that emerge within within my life, at some level it's, it's not something I can hold forever. It's a, it's a gift, something that's come, manifest, and is there. So this, I offer back, I return all of it, I return all of it, is this gesture of the bow, offering back into the, the, into the totality, into the whole, into the oneness. This bowing is the way the gesture of that. Taking the body into the bow, into the space of I offer back, I open myself to that which is, is mysterious actually. These devotional practices, at a certain point one can speak about them rationally and how they affect the mind. And, but at, at a certain point there is something a little mysterious about this energy of opening, praising, Acknowledging that there's a, a vaster context within which we live. And even with all, all our technological and scientific advancements, which can shape and uh, direct and make our lives comfortable, ultimately there's still you know, a great sense of mystery about how all of this emerges in the first place and where it all emerges from and where it all dissolves back into. And so this, this devotional aspect of practice is just really, quite simply, opening and honoring that. There's a, a bigger power here than my small sense of self, feeling it's in control. <laughs> There's a larger movement unfolding. So just this morning, beginning of morning, by bowing, acknowledging that, opening into that.
And for me, it's also helpful at some level to feel with that bowing practice that uh, that I'm, you know, I'm not doing it all. It's a feeling we can have in the path of practice, path of, of awakening, that I've I've got to be the one that somehow got to get enlightened and do it all. I've got to be the one to work it all out. And you know, at some level, yes, we we do what we can. But I, I'm not going to be the one that can, can do this. The I is the, has to just uh, be put in proper perspective so that the activity of practice, the activity of path can be purified little by little from this sense of I'm doing it. I'm making the big effort. I'm trying to get somewhere. And it be held more and more lightly. Just allowing then the space for things to unfold. relationship to the discussion that came up today, which I think is quite a interesting area to contemplate around effort, around our energy, how we apply ourselves in sustaining moments of attention. We've been practicing these last few days, cultivating this samasamadhi, unified, gathered heart and mind, within body and breath within this moment, within the space of awareness. And it takes some degree of effort to hold and bring attention to what is present. It takes some degree of effort to get up in the morning, come to the hall, sit, and then perhaps when everything in us wants to just walk away from it all or get up to stay, there's this uh, applying, this, this sense of, of effort. And to find how to find a balance, if we're reflecting this morning that if our effort's too willful, too goal-orientated, too ambitious, that uh, we can become quite repressive, quite brittle, so focused on where we feel we need to get to, either in our meditation or in life, we can uh, come into a situation and when someone's very ambitious, very willful, quite controlling, then sometimes they're very insensitive to the context they're in, to the field of relationship they're in, whether it's within their own body and mind or the larger context. And can sort of just crunch through what is there in an effort to get to where we think we need to go. And then the result of that, and when we do that in our, in our meditation, then we can feel get headaches or brittle, get impatient, irritated, frustrated, and ultimately feel a bit of a failure. <laughs> and then on the other side of the effort that can be more collapsed, harder to find how to find authentic energy in a way that sustains our ability to be present. Feeling rather than feeling, and you know, we have a sense of direction. If we, <coughs> if that authentic energy, we haven't met that in ourselves yet, then we can feel very washed around by the circumstances around us, very indecisive, procrastinating, wanting other people to 
to make the risks and decisions for us, hard to find ourselves, our own authentic sense of where we stand, and the context around us, rather than being supportive or, or nourishing, can feel intimidating to us, shapes us. Don't know where we are in the group, how to work with a form. And, uh, so <coughs> we can either be driven or collapsed, dispersed, overly directed. So finding those are the extremes, and for most of us, we sort of bounce between those two a bit. I, I know I do. I can go from hyper-driven to collapsed mode quite quickly. Not so much in the meditation, but more difficult in daily life, actually. Sort of top gear while one's engaged in activity, and then when it all stops, sink into the sofa. And finding, trying to find in those moments between those two modes a place where, without necessarily being stimulated into activity, something that stimulates our energy, or just going into oblivion because there's nothing interesting going on, trying to find a place to hold some quality of sustained presence. It feels like a real place of inquiry for me. And and for my practice, these, these meditation retreats are very useful for cultivating when there's not a lot of stimulation and there is the support of the routine to hold oneself, to help hold one to really explore how to find one's authentic energy to meet moments of our experience, to stay a little bit longer when we want to collapse, breathe a few more breaths, to notice what's the quality, can we stretch and, and um, encompass what is present, what may be difficult to be with right now, a form of being agile, or you know, if we're getting really uh, ambitious, driven, can we just relax, allow everything to be perfect in this moment? Doesn't We don't have to necessarily change it right now. Just soften, soften the body, soften the muscles, soften the belly, breathe out. Encourage ourselves to just have all the time in the world to be here in this space with this experience. So in this way, finding a balance, a balance of our energy, our effort. It's the effort or the energy that we apply that sustains the moments of attention, the moments of mindfulness, little by little gathering this collectedness, this samadhi. Sometimes we can feel right in balance. We're not having to apply effort. We're not having to um, to relax effort. We can sometimes just feel what it's like to be effortless. Like a, we can stand sometimes in the qigong. We stand at first. We maybe feel we're putting effort in, and then we notice the arms are just floating a bit. We can relax and then we start to feel the chi that just holds the body, sustains, nourishes the body. The meditation, finding the balance, that little by little, the effort that brings us into balance and then more effortlessness, just allowing us to relax into the feeling of being present, just being here, not adding anything to the moment, 
not demanding anything at the moment. Rather just noticing what is here, bringing attention to what is. This morning we, we looked at working with, with kaya, rupa, experience of body as it is, the outer shape, sense of body, the form of body, more realistically perhaps than not overlaid with all the um, cultural value judgments and how the body should look. Having a more perhaps kindly, real, softer, gentler relationship to this body through our awareness. And then more subtly, the the feeling tone, the experience of flow and energy and feeling and mood of the heart and mind as it manifests as sensation and feeling tone within body. I wanted to just reflect a, a little bit around uh, relationship to feeling as it's so powerful in, in how it defines and shapes the sense of uh, self. We feel, we often can say, well, this morning I felt really uh, turbulent, um, upset, distracted, and then this afternoon maybe I felt peaceful, Calm, and then this evening maybe I feel distracted or bored. So we can notice which one was the real me, which of those feelings, and we can begin to notice that, you know, at first we can be very mesmerized by the shift of mood and the quality of feeling and emotion, memory that can shape the sense of me as it arises in any given moment. Very powerful. And then often, particularly if the feelings are quite difficult to be with, can struggle around that, struggle around feeling. And for, for many of us, the whole area of emotion, feeling, mood, can be quite a, a difficult area to make contact with. It can be confusing, can be overwhelming, can be messy even. can feel imprisoning, caught up, constricted. And we begin to practice, uh, first we notice that uh, sometimes it's a bit of a relief to establish, first of all, this sense of that which witnesses standing out, standing away a little bit from such strong reactivity around the different feelings that we can experience. Rather than being so strongly drawn into the mood, the heart, where we might define it as, you know, I'm I'm really uh, upset or I'm really fearful, I'm really anxious. Meditation is quite encouraged to make the movement to the sense of noticing, standing a little apart, noticing there is this feeling, there is uncomfortableness, there is uncertainty, there is sadness. And it just allows a little bit of a space 
to get perhaps more perspective. It's a very important movement to, to be able to make from being really kind of washed around, overwhelmed, struggling sometimes, to just having this feeling of some ground, some sense of perspective from which to contemplate and reflect on the nature of uh, mood and feeling as it shifts and changes. However, that which we might call the witness or the one that's knowing, sometimes they call the, the, the knowing, is also arising and passing with, with whatever feeling or mood or thought or perception or concept is there. It also in some ways has a, a certain shifting nature to it. What can happen sometimes in meditation, we can like the feeling of perhaps being a little part from the feeling nature and the witness becomes, rather than something as a skillful means to get perspective, can become uh, an identity. Which is, uh, something that, that happens quite often in meditation. We, become, we, we, we start to become the witness in a way that removes us from contact maybe quite subtly and and generates this sort of uh, can in a subtle way this sense of aloofness or almost like the the superior spiritual self (laughs) that stands a little bit apart from the messiness of life and you know what was at first maybe a skillful means to get perspective and space around the confusion uh, can become uh, a place we can camp out. And so, in a way, this very subtle movement within within the meditative work can translate sometimes into this real split in relationship to our ability to engage the world around us. To fully engage, to engage with warmth and uh, interest this slight suspicion of the world of form and feeling and contact that somehow it's going to overwhelm us and draw us into a messy situation. And so uh, for some of us, we get very uh, attached, identified with this stance of being the meditator, uh, the observer, the witness, the one that's a bit removed from it all and maybe even a bit above it all. And you know what, <coughs> that can... In a way, that can be useful for a while, but it, it can also uh, dislocate us from uh, really contacting a deeper source of our energy, which can support this and sustain this practice. So sometimes it's also useful to explore not only just moving into that space of observing, there is feeling here, there is mood here, there is perception here, there is memory here, there is a different kind of flow of energy, but to actually allowing ourselves to more unconditionally open and meet and acknowledge this is how it is and bring that same quality of attention that we bring to breath directly to the experience of if there is a rising feeling tone, emotion, sensation within body, to actually, it's a subtle move, it's in a way perhaps it's a distinction that's 
hard to talk about, but to bring more directly into relationship to what one, one is actually experiencing without the need to either judge or to shift it or to solve it, or to resolve, or to even find meaning. Sometimes in meditation we can come across whole territories of inner landscape which has a feeling tone to it, uh, maybe of uh, some kind of sadness or confusion or some kind of agitation can feel like we need to try and understand it intellectually, we need to sort of make meaning out of it. But with this more unconditional openness, training the awareness to actually stretch and meet just what is present without the need to interpret or to judge is is an aspect uh, of meditative skill that allows us to engage our energy in a more direct way. For example, I was considering tonight how to talk about this and uh, thinking about a more personal example in relationship to an energy that I found through my life that has been quite a constant, which is the energy of uh, fear and anxiety. Which is kind of curious because uh, a lot of people say to me, <clears throat> the kind of history that I have, that I seem to be someone that has a lot of courage. That's what people often say. Or you either have courage to either go into the monastery <clears throat> at a time when, in the 70s, when women weren't shaving head, their heads and doing such things, or a few years down the road, leaving the monastery <laughs> at a time when it was less approved of, or going to South Africa or whatever, all these different things, sitting up here and sharing with you tonight, people can say, oh, you've got a lot of courage, as if one was born that way. But in fact, the courage is not removed from fear, that my route into courage or strength has had to be through contacting fear. Um, Huge wadges of it, not just little flicker of nervousness, but really um, excruciating fear that can uh, uh, that can really undermine the whole sense of self-worth and debilita- debilitate one. So this practice for me has been very, very, in this regard, I should say this is one energy that appears, can appear on the surface as something that uh, repel- fear is very repelling, it sort of diminishes one but actually realizing that underneath, meeting directly, little by little, learning to meet, just with attention, not to repress fear. One has an enormous desire to repress that energy uh, or to remove oneself from it. But little by little, just gaining the strength of awareness and attention to meet without having to work it out or get rid of it. And noticing, actually, just under the fear is the enormous energy of strength and courage. What appeared at first to be a problem or difficult has within it a, a positive energy, an energy of the, of the luminous natural mind. I might seem quite at ease in this position now, but I remember when I first was asked to teach uh, to a group of ladies practicing yoga. 
And I was uh, in such a state that they had to uh, they had to stretch me and bend me and twist me and calm me down and uh, get me to smooth me out. And uh, I think for me that's been a, these things. It's not. <clears throat> I mean, I think we all have courage in many different ways. But for me, this has uh, just been uh, really interesting to notice what can appear like a uh, feeling of anger. Anger is a very divisive, separative force. Yeah. A strong sense of me here and, and you there. And noticing just staying with that sometimes, just bringing the attention and the awareness to to be with that energy when it arises can sometimes reveal deeper layers of, of, of longing to connect or or the fact that there is a connection, there is an interrelationship. But to access that energy, to, we need to really allow the attention, the awareness to meet it, to meet whatever presents itself. It doesn't have to be such a necessarily strong, I'm talking about quite strong, perhaps more extreme energies. And it can be something like boredom that we're talking about today. Boredom is quite an interesting one. We get bored, we, we just, you know, we, we turn off, look for something else, or look for what's wrong that could stimulate us a bit more. Um, staying sometimes with a feeling of, of bleakness or boredom can, uh, you know, just see what, just, just investigate what, what's underneath that when we can disengage from perhaps interpreting it as something needs to shift in this field around us, maybe that's true, that, that would alleviate the uncomfortable feeling. That is true, it would. But can we use this form as an opportunity to explore whatever emerges within the field of our awareness, to explore our relationship to that, can we meet it more directly, explore, just staying with it, not having to even you know, try and do anything with it whatever emerges, but just bringing our attention, staying with, staying with. And what I noticed in that process is that sometimes it takes us into places where uh, where the strategies that we can approach life with, confidence or knowing what to do or knowing what we want or knowing how the world should be around us or how I should be, that we can move beyond those into uh, into more, perhaps it feels more vulnerable at first, a more open, softer place where some level we really, one really doesn't know. Really doesn't know what, maybe what the answer is or the solution or what to do, particularly what to say. But it feels like it's very authentic, a place of actually, a place of not knowing in relationship to the enormous uncertainty of life. And that not knowing, although it can feel a bit scary or a bit vulnerable, can actually be, when we can stay with it, can be a gateway to to a lot of strength, just to stay with that and creativity. Something can emerge beyond our patterning, beyond our conditioning, beyond our strategies. So I encourage 
us tonight, whatever we're working with, whether it feels smooth sailing, that's great. You can do lots of prayers and meta practice for the rest of us. <laughs> if you're struggling, that's great too. It's great to struggle. <coughs> All good stuff. So too, can we hold whatever we're with uh, in a way that we can honour and meet it with this quality of attention that we've been cultivating with breath, with body, stabilising, just meeting our experience, whether it's a subtle sense of boredom and disinterest, strong sense of struggle with an issue, trying to make a decision. Can we just stay in the middle of that feeling of some momentum from past doesn't leave us alone, the mind blathering on, that this, that and the other, <laughs> as it tends to do. Can we feel the energy there within whatever presents itself? There's energy there, can we meet that with moments of attention, stability, breathing with it, not having to solve, not having to find a solution, not having to work it out, not having to get anywhere or shift it. Just allowing, just practicing this open, unconditional quality of awareness, tension, supported by balanced, authentic energy that comes from our willingness to be here, moment by moment. Thank you.